What's good, ladies and germs? Welcome to another episode of CHN Radio. Um, I'm Elijah, again, joining you for the second time in a week. Uh, and and beside me, I've got Josh. Josh, how are you feeling? I'm back. I'm here. It's almost like I never left. It, almost, almost. Uh, but yeah, so if you didn't listen to the earlier episode in the week, you're probably confused as to why this is episode 183 and a half. But go back and listen to the episode. That the, No spoilers. That's what I'll say. Um, so without further ado, we'll do quick plugs, uh, CHN underscore podcast, follow that account coming home in UFC, follow that account, follow, uh, I don't know. You could follow me, I guess. Just type in Elijah Newsom. I'm the only one that exists in the world. Joshua, you got anything to, to plug? Yeah. Uh, you could follow me at Joshua Duter. I'm also probably the only Joshua Duter in the world. I think there's more Duters, um, in Australia, but, oh. uh. But I don't have a direct that that I'm aware of. We're not directly related. But other than that, my dad and I have been looking for duders, and we have not found any. What what a statement! We've been looking for duders. It just that's right. You know, just, some some people love to call themselves duders, and some and some people some people are duders. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot of newsoms out there playing uh, American football. So um, I don't really know. Like, there's no relation between me and the these newsoms. I think, but. They're out there, and uh, maybe we're related. Who knows? Okay, so uh, what we owe everyone is a preview of Brentford, and then we got a couple questions we'll answer at the end. Um, so before we, we – I guess we should just – I mean, to be honest, we can just hop right into it. I don't know. Well, what do you think, Josh? You just want to hop right into this? Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know where we – where 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 to begin. Um, yeah, I, I think a good starting point, let's just look at Brentford uh, – Let's let's look at Brentford since they've returned to the Prem and their results against Newcastle, because okay. uh, I think that's a good place to start um, to set some context. Because I will say, you know, history shows this is a much more even matchup than I think fans would admit uh, straight up. And part of that is yes, you had the Bruce era, but um, even you know that was even with uh, Eddie Howe at the realm, um, it was it's still been somewhat even. So. If we go back to Brentford uh, coming up uh, in the prem, coming back to the prem, I would say uh, had a three-three thriller against Newcastle last mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of Eddie Howe's first matches in charge. It might have been his second match. It, it was his first or second match. I was very early. Uh, well, actually, given the time frame, I think it was probably his no November. So it was probably his like second or third match in okay. charge. Yeah. Um, and uh, Newcastle and Brentford uh, exploded for a 3-3 uh, goal fest uh, with Ivan Tony uh, scoring. And I believe, let's see, I think it was Rico Henry. Yeah, he scored. 
Uh, and then uh, this is for Brentford. And then Jamal LaSalle scored for Brentford. So that was exciting. And we got LaSalle scoring the first goal uh, for Newcastle and then Joel Linton and Alan St. Maxman. So, um, mm-hmm. again, and if I if memory serves me correctly, this was one of the first times Newcastle had scored more than two goals uh, for the whole season up until that point. So big statement by Eddie Howe, uh, but also a weird one because Eddie Howe was, you know, criticized for his defensive acumen and he was like i'm gonna fix my defense and then gave up three goals to brentford so that's where we start uh and then uh newcastle and brentford in the reverse fixture uh played this past february newcastle won that one two nil uh one you know again when you look at just the result it's like okay that doesn't mean they're evenly matched but yes they won two nil but it was because of an early red card similar to what we right. experienced was that with De Silva Bola. yeah yeah with with the Silva who is a, a tidy player indeed like a very he's 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 a solid player uh had a really good cup match against Newcastle which uh that happened uh prior to these. Yeah, yeah it was prior but yeah he had a pretty good cup match against Newcastle and then we played them now uh and so now we're coming into this Brentford having uh, you know, a, a fine season. Uh, I wouldn't say there's anything to write home about uh, so far this season. They've drawn with Everton. They've drawn with Palace, you know, so kind of hanging in there amongst their mid-table peers, you could say. And then they had a explosive 5-2 win over Leeds, uh, I, you know, which there you go. And then had a, their game postponed for the Queen uh, against Southampton. Yeah. And then they lost 3-0 to Arsenal and tied nil nil with Bournemouth so again I don't know if there's anything to write home about regarding Brentford but you could arguably say the same for Newcastle you know the the results themselves don't tell the whole story there's been some times in which maybe Brentford might have deserved a win against Everton maybe or you know maybe against Palace or maybe a loss against those and so the only true dominant performance they've had where they looked like world beaters was against Leeds uh, so I know Joshua, Joshua, you had some some thoughts on just the different formations that Brentford has run because uh, I know you've been following Brentford. Yeah, I want to take a for, look at those yeah. those formations, and yeah, I had been, I mean, uh, watching Thomas Frank for a couple of years, and and we spoke, um, I think, in the last episode about accessibility here in the states and how sort of we're spoiled for choice, and so. Well, um, Joshua, we we spoke about it and we talked about it. Yeah, but no one else heard it because that was okay. Was that the part that we? Yeah, yeah, that was part of. Yeah, so just to fill everyone in, I think we we went on a a little bit of a discussion about how it's just. I mean, we and we have talked about on previous episodes. Yeah, it is just much easier for us to watch a plethora of leagues. Like just with ESPN Plus alone, you get access to. I want to say what yeah. four leagues plus the FA Cup and I mean, international. It's, it's <laughs> a ridiculous football. amount of football. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and the only reason I bring that back up again is just so that way when I say, Hey, I've been watching Thomas Frank and Brentford for a few years, you know, someone doesn't roll their eyes so hard they fall out of their head. You yeah, know, it, I mean it's completely it's completely true here in the States. We just have access to it. And so that's why we can say, Hey, I've, you know, I've watched this team for years. Yeah. Um, and I did want to know, I did want to note, uh, when we were talking about recent results, if we take a look at their form, mm-hmm. um, before I get into the formations, I want to look at form and yeah. Newcastle United, Newcastle United in, in all competitions, their, their last, last six, um, win, draw, loss, draw, draw, win. So, right. So that's two wins, three draws, one loss Brentford in all competitions in their last six win, draw, draw, win, loss, draw. So same amount of wins, same amount of draws, one loss. Yeah. 
um, is the, the order in which they've happened and sort of the, you know, the, the sequences within each competition are different, mm-hmm. but these teams on paper are close. I think, yeah. I, I think they're, and that's, you know, we'll get to that part of the discussion, but um, it's important to like note that, you know, maybe they, they struggled here and they struggled there or they had a few successes, but on paper, these two teams are sort of even Steven. Um, yeah, and I will say this: Brentford doesn't make the flashy signings, but they have no. one of the best. I mean, people wrote, wrote about this during the championship, so I don't know if what well, sorry while they were in the championship. Yeah, so I don't know how how recent it was, but they have like this insane analytics guy who is over their footballing operations. He's actually a Newcastle fan, so maybe uh, down the road, uh, maybe one day we'll um, pick him. Ma- Mandy and the Mags can yeah poach him, but uh, he's like just insanely talented at spotting. Um, talent that could fit them kind of utilizing analytics and traditional scouting so that they make smart signings from like all over Europe so they they don't you know they, they, they don't take they don't take they don't make big money signings which is interesting it, it's very akin to you know when Rafa was making and wheeling and dealing uh, and of course just like with Rafa here at Newcastle not everything works out but uh, when Rafa was wheeling and dealing it's like who is this Fabian share like a what three three point five million from the Swiss league. Sure. Like why not? And then of course, you know, down the road, you look at how successful share was. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the same vibes that Brentford has, you know, they'll, they'll sign a guy for, you know, at this you know, inflation, uh, seven, eight mil, which is not a lot for a player, uh, in, in the prem and you will never have heard of them. And then you watch them play and you're like, this person is exactly, you know, what they need in that system. Like, yeah. you know, Josh De Silva is exactly the type of midfielder that they need to, to, to fit whatever system that Thomas Frank wants to run. He may not be like this world beating, like left midfielder. That's going to, you know, be well at Everton or at West Ham or Aston Villa, but for Brentford in this system, he makes sense. And so I think they make a lot of smart signings, which, Makes it so, like you said, on paper, when you look at the two teams, you're like, Newcastle probably has the better team raw talent-wise, but they actually are much more evenly matched, as, yeah. as you alluded to. Yeah, I mean, they 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 have so much foresight. In fact, um, I, I believe their most previous coach was Dean Smith, I think. Mm-hmm. And they brought Thomas Frank on as an assistant while still having Dean Smith uh, as the gaffer. And they basically just said, hey, you know, like we're not promising you this job, but, you know, down down the road, um, you know, this this may end up your your position. Are you in? And so it's like everything they do has some intentionality to it. Hey, Newcastle did that with Graham Jones. <laughs> they were like, hey, uh, Steve Bruce might not work out. So uh, if you're if you're ready and willing, well, you'll be the interim. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Um, yeah. It's people forget that did happen. <laughs> Is very Absolutely. much it's very uncomfortable for Steve Bruce. Again, different manner in which like it happened where that was toted as uh Newcastle's uh that was I guess that was this was that a January signing that we brought him in? That might have been January when we brought mm-hmm. him in. And it was like our January signing, which was to bring on a coach. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Um okay, yeah, but continue. Yeah. Sorry to Yeah, 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 yeah. Um so when we talk about what Coach Thomas Frank like how he how he looks at the looks at the game, um, he typically will line up in a four three three. So uh, his two two with Leicester, um, his two three loss at Fulham, his his one uh, one with Everton, Crystal Palace, uh, Leeds, and uh, you know if it's if it's a match uh, and Bo- and Bournemouth, a, 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 all four three threes, right? So if it's a match, I feel like if it's a match that he thinks he can get after it. He'll line up with three up top, right? 
if it's a match where maybe he thinks he might have to play five at the back, but might it might be helpful to sort of pull those fullbacks up and and sort of dominate the midfield. He'll do that too. So let's say, for example, against what is perceived as a larger, a bigger team, um, Man United, he played a 5-3-2 in that that match and got a a 4-0 win, right? So he made the the right choice there and then played and and played sort of inverted that with a 3-5-2 against Arsenal in which that didn't turn out in his favor, but Arsenal are the table toppers. So there's sort of a reason why they're just, they're just good. Right. And you, this year, Man United, it's just not their year. But that those, you know, those are the decisions that he makes is for, uh, get after it on offense. If if he thinks he has a chance with, the, you know, four, three, three um, or maybe sandbag a little bit in the back um, with that five, three, two. I don't know how he perceives Newcastle. Right. Yeah. Um, our instinct tells us he's going to put us in the same column as he does with Leicester, Everton Palace. And it's going to be a team that he thinks he could come up here um, and get a result. And he's going to get after it. So there's every there's every chance that he'll go four three three. Well, what's interesting about that as well is that when he does go four three three, they tend to give up possession or uh, p- possession. So I mean, you know, below fifty percent possession in most of those matches, uh, or right at fifty percent. Um, yeah. The the best they had was in their loss at Fulham with fifty seven percent, and then. Um, with a one, one at home with, uh, Everton, uh, 58%. Um, I guess with Bournemouth as well, 58%. So those, those three matches, they played four, three, three, but you know, those results didn't turn out in their favor. So it seems like, okay. So just looking at that, it seems like one, they would probably prefer to set up on a four, three, three. Okay. And they would prefer to strike on the counter, uh, meaning they're willing to give up possession in yeah. order for that quick strike. And so that, that in mind, you know, they'll probably be looking for um, Tony and uh, Buemo up top. And and, th- and that's why I'm, I'm just, I'm just wondering if it's going to be two up top or three up top, but they may be looking for that counter that, you know, those, those quick strikes, those counter attacks um, and maybe looking to get that one or two goals uh, away from home. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I think it's interesting because I, I, I would agree that, you know, he's probably going to go for it because to be honest, Newcastle haven't really put together a performance that's warranting anyone sitting back against them. In fact, you could argue this is, I'm contradicting myself here, but it's like, you can argue like the, you know, Newcastle's worst performances were when teams just kind of like sat back and defended and just let them have possession. But those teams had kind of rolled over and, you know, they weren't expecting, you know, three points, but I think, Thomas Frank, like he said, I, I think he's going to go for it. I'm just curious to see if that's going to be a plan that works out, you know, works out for for them. And I could see them reverting to like playing more of a three backer just to get some additional width and just kind of make Newcastle a little bit uncomfortable, you know, down 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 the down the wings. But you know, uh, either way, I think this is going to be a match in which Newcastle have a, a decent amount of possession. Um, because Brentford are going to be looking to play on the counter regardless. Like they're just so dangerous on the counter. And with the forward like Tony, who's incredibly quick and just so good on the ball as well, like you're looking to naturally play on the counter. And so I'm curious to see how Newcastle react to likely having, you know, the majority of possession. Like and if it's going to be a four three three, it might work in Newcastle's favor a little bit more because when they've had those four three threes, it's been somewhat even. 
Yeah, it, opened, it opens works, it up for us, right? Yeah, it so. works out in Newcastle's favor. So uh, I'm curious to see how how uh, how he sets up as well. Um, just moving on, is there any is there any sort of uh, player? Actually, you know, let's actually talk about injuries and suspensions real quick. Yeah, um, yeah. So I was looking at sense, yeah, yeah. I was looking at transfer market, and I didn't see any missing players for Brentford. And I'm mm-hmm. just wondering if you saw something I I didn't see because. Um, is it is it Keen Lewis Potter? Is he out? Is that what we noted? He's got a knock, and then I've got Norgut having Achilles injury, but he could be returning back from that soon. I know he missed the the last match. Okay, play. okay. Um, so uh, yeah, so I mean that's yeah that that's uh, that's all I I really have of the players that are relevant and, and definitely play um, and have played so far. I think Newcastle's a different story. That's probably the more interesting one. We've got Alexander Isak, and again, this we, this could all be irrelevant when this when this podcast comes out because Eddie Howe might say something that contradicts everything we say. But that's the, the risk you run anytime you record any podcast, or or he may say nothing that's imp- you know that, that gives away anything at all, you know, and yeah. which has sort of also been the case. We may find out match day, you know, an hour before kickoff, or who's who's in the eighteen. So we'll say like the last few 11s for Newcastle have just been very surprising, as you know, Eddie's been very. Uh, been very conservative in how he speaks about the potential returns of players and if a player has picked up an injury he just does not he does not mention it like when Joel Linton didn't start uh, this last match everyone was like what the hell I, when, when did we find out Joel Linton wasn't healthy and then the journos started doing some digging and looking and being like oh well you know looking at all of the the pictures and stuff that were posted from training he didn't train this week. And so, uh, you know, and same with like, you know, like when Matt targets out, he, he's just, Eddie doesn't, he's never going to say, oh, Joel Linton's out with a knock unless someone straight up asks him, you know, oh, is XYZ going to be playing? So He doesn't give uh, anything away. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, which is good. Uh, so Alexander Isak is still going to be out. Um, likely uh, he had, uh, he had this muscle injury while on international break, which, you know, we, uh, um, we talked about in the last pod. Uh, well, I guess not the last pod for this week, but the Fulham preview. We talked about that and international injuries. Uh, Alan St. Maxman, we'll get back to him. Obviously, Neil Kraft's done for the season. Shelby has apparently kind of accelerated his return, so we could see him uh, before the World Cup, which is cool because I think initially the the, the thought was that he was going to be um, injured you know, up up until or up through the World Cup and then have the World Cup period to come back. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Carl Darlow is still out. Uh, and then, oh, yeah, because we, we have totally forgot Newcastle made a, a, a goalkeeper signing. Laura Scarry. talked about it. Yeah. yeah but yeah. just it hasn't come up for Well, that's good. Reasons. good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, it's great reasons. Uh, Matt Ritchie's out injured. I'm getting back to Alan St. Maxman. Uh, Eddie Howe's had some interesting – Quotes. He had said that Alan St. Maxman had been training with the team um, at some point last week and then this week so far. And uh, he wasn't ready, quite ready last week to make an appearance, but he's he's feeling confident or somewhat confident that Alan St. Maxman could be back in, in the folds this week. Joshua, how does that change how you know Newcastle's chances? I mean, we already are down to our, our one and only striker and there's potential that Chris Wood is is back. Uh, I didn't see him listed on the injury report, so we'll 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 assume that he's back. But let's be real; it would be down to our, our one yeah. and only striker. I mean, uh, so we we it's good that Wilson, despite his pro, uh, protests, was taken yeah. off and given time of to rest. Uh, it'd be really nice to have Wood on the bench, mm-hmm. um, if anything, just to make sure we have that depth. We did see 
uh, you know, the backup plan, uh, Murphy uh, up top, yeah. if, if needs be, if needs be. But what we also did see last match was there are, um, and, and we've known this, we've, we've got a few wide pieces and, and it's really nice to know that, um, especially with um, Almiron um, having a great performance last match. Um, yeah. So, so what, what, you know, Samaximan does for us is um, if he's in, right. If he's in, he, 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 he sort of has his own gravity. Um, I don't know if you've, you know, I, I'm not stealing that. There was a guy named the armchair analyst that does all this major league soccer stuff. And I think that mm-hmm. he was the first person I've ever heard sort of speak about players in this terms, but he has his own sense of gravity and draws players into him. One, yeah. two, three players, three defenders will be attracted to some yeah. maximum when he has the ball. And what that does is, is it, it opens up the other side of the pitch, mm-hmm. right? And it creates imbalances and it drags players around, which is going to be super useful uh, if they're, especially if they attack on a fourth or three, four through three, because that will, that will open up channels. Um, if they're playing, if they're playing four at the back, that opens up those channels, right? You know, kind of leading right into the, 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 uh, the 18 yard box, you know? So we, yeah. we just got to get up to that point. Um, I don't think we'll be doing a lot of crossing if ASM is in. I think it'll be more of those inverted wingers cutting in, you know, and trying to attack those channels and and get, um, you know, get um, get those shots in from from the top of the box to sort of um, put uh, Raya under under pressure Um, without him, without ASM. I, I can see not inverting the wingers and I think really attacking with width. And trying to get those, trying to get into the, trying to get to the end line, really, uh, which is a completely different, you know, and then cutting, cutting back when you're dragging them, you know, you're dragging them deeper than they want to be. And then you're creating sort of a, a problem, um, a backup in, in the box. And that's when you can put the ball up because then anything can happen. So there's a couple of different ways we could go with or without him. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, one thing to add is like when I think one of the things that makes Joe Willock so dangerous is just his ability to make those like secondary runs from the That's midfield. It. And Bruno does that too. But, you know, more so than other midfielders we have, that's when Alan St. Maximin's at his best is when you've drawn so many players out of position. You've got a midfielder coming over to help. And now Joe Willock's able to recognize that space. And that's when he's been able to really get in some good positions to be in and around uh, that, you know, the box when, when, when balls are fizzed in or, or when shots are taken and he's been able to pounce. So it'll be good for him as well. Yeah. He had a, he, you know, he had a good match against Fulham, uh, you know, with two assists, one intentional, one not <laughs> intentional, but again, <laughs> you know, that's does miles for his confidence. And he's a player that uh, I think more so than anyone else. I think maybe Joel Linton might be the only other player that I think benefits from, just a good run of, uh, you know, a good game to really get him going. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Willock is one of those. I mean, we saw it every single time he came uh, to Newcastle. He had his, not every single time, every single season thus far in Newcastle. When he came over in January, you know, he was kind of whatever, and then he he scored a bunch of goals off the, like this crazy super sub coming off the bench and just scoring goals. He couldn't stop scoring. And then he was having a pretty, you know, let's be real, it was not a good season last season. And then, he one thing, one spark in January and he was undroppable. So, uh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so I think, I think, you know, I think this would be a good opportunity for him to really get a, a decent run in the, in the side, especially with, um, the midfield being so competitive right now, surprisingly, uh, with Sean Longstaff putting in a couple of really good performances in a row as well. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not at all worried. Um, Oh yeah. I know, I know, strangely enough, like 
I've really had a lot of time to process this and and I feel like Brentford are I think a sneaky good team and they're in the top you know they're in the top half of the table for a reason mm-hmm. um they're 10th place you know with uh 10 points with a plus three goal difference we're seventh place mm-hmm. 11 points with a plus four goal difference I mean it's like you know I could bang on this drum we're even Steven with this team but mm-hmm. that's on paper I think um I think on the pitch it might be a different story and I think we're going to pull this out yeah, so let's get into the predictions. What is your uh, prediction? Um, I don't know if this is what I predicted last time, but I am guessing. Oh, I remember what you predicted. So okay, let's, let's, okay. let's go. Okay, um, I th- I can I think I'm pretty sure. Brentford- I'll, I'll, I'll I'll give you this. You said you gave two sets of predictions. You said with ASM and without ASM. Got it. So got it. I'll, yeah, I'll give you that with ASM three to one. I think that's okay. probably it. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think it, it opens up the field. I think it op- it opens up the pitch so much. It moves players around. Um, and, and it sort of like, I think their, I think their, their, uh, their defense is, um, it's a, it's a tidy team, but I think he's really, he could really mix it up and it'll be three yeah. one. Um, and without ASM, I think we get a draw at home one, one. Um, that yeah, is exactly what you said. <laughs> yeah, and I think the players, yeah. I think the players to watch for on Brentford, the ones that are going to make the difference are going to be Mikel Damsgaard. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's sneaky, like Loki Erickson. I think he's the, you know, I think that he's come in and played that role. Um, he's a, he's crafty. He's a creator, um, and he doesn't have that big name, so people aren't drawn to him. But that gives him the space he needs to be crafty. And I think um, obviously Tony, right? But I think. Um, Mbemo, I think, is like he's only got two goals on the season, but um, he's such a good player. I think he's he's such a beast, and he's he's one to watch. I think he's going to get the if there's a goal for Bournemouth, I think uh, Mbemo gets the goal. Yeah, um, yeah, that, that's that's a good shout. Uh, I think de- depending on where where uh, where they play ASM. Uh, if Rico Henry's on that side, uh, that could be just an interesting factor because I mean ASM's gotten better, but you know I'd like to see a little bit more consistency out of him defending. But he's just a Rico Henry's just one of those offensive-minded fullbacks that just can really hurt you if you if he's given you know time and space out of the wing. So uh, that would be one to watch out for for me. I think the other two, like you said, plus Tony are 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 are, are the the main the main guys on the side. Sure. Um, and then for me, predictions wise, I think regardless, I'm going to go two two draw. I there is something that I feel like maybe it's a trend that I've made up in my head, but I feel like when ASM comes back, uh, he's not you know a hundred percent. And maybe this is different because Eddie has was specifically like we're not playing him back till he's one hundred percent. Yeah. So sometimes he doesn't have that same level of spark for the full you know for for the full ninety. You know maybe it pops up in the second half or pops up for. The, the middle portion and then he kind of fizzes out. So I'm taking that into consideration. I think it could be like a two, two draw uh, as well, but okay, I wouldn't be shocked if Newcastle won. I'd say that. Yeah. You know, and, and I'll leave you on this one. I mean, I was, I went back and rewatched that five, two they had with Leeds, and they only had 31% of the possession of that match. And it was yeah. super exciting, right? They're yeah. just, I mean, they're just running downhill at you. So, um, what a match! That was, a, that was an interesting one, expected goals wise, because technically yeah. that should have been a draw, but just Brentford got lucky. <laughs> it was very unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, so, um, and they got yeah. lucky with Tony with a hat trick. So, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
uh, yeah, so uh, this is just a really quick programming note sure. because I have this in front of me. Uh, but if you're American and you typically consume through Peacock, just note that this is going to be on uh, USA Network and Universo. So uh, if you if you got the uh, the local channels, it might be on Universo. But if you are just got Peacock, just you're going to have to wait until that night to watch the match. So that I, I is... will I will add this, my friend. I will add this. Um, you can always listen to it for free. That's true. From NUFC.com. And you can also uh, log in using BB Sounds app and find uh, BBC Radio New uh, Northeast. Um, but definitely go to the Newcastle website, the homepage, and uh, go to uh, um, Live Play. And you can listen to it on the radio. Mr. John Anderson yeah. is fantastic. I've been listening to him for years. I, I've been. I'm gonna see if I'm gonna try to. I, I remember listening during the championship for sure. Uh, oh yeah, because there, there were so many. That was back before ES. It's actually. It might have been the season before ESPN Plus got the, the championship. Like all the matches, yeah. or maybe two seasons before. Uh, but I'm, I'm. I'm. I might try this weekend to see, see if I can sync up the radio call with uh, what I'm yeah. watching. Yeah, just TV get up, make your coffee, make different. your breakfast, and just listen on the radio. You know, you know, you can even go about your morning routine and get get stuff done while you've got your. Listen to it on your phone, man. Just walk around with it, and just I, I put you know put it on my uh, put on my earbuds, and I just I go about my morning. Oh, I'm fully. I'm not going to be productive. It's uh, seven <laughs> morning on Saturday, so I won't be productive. Real quick uh, to close this out, um, we've got a couple questions from the twitters, uh, mm. so let's hop into these real quick. Uh, from NUFC Indiana, good friend of ours, good friend of the program. With the midfield trio of Willock, Bruno, and Longstaff playing so well last week, do you see a future of the previously undroppable Joel Linton in for a stint on the bench, or will you have, or will, oh wow, or will Howe bring him straight back in? Um, so, long story short, uh, is Joel Linton going to make a start? Uh, you know, coming off of the, the the knock and the midfield three of last week playing really well. Joshua, thoughts? Uh, we've noticed that Howe likes to reward results and mm-hmm. uh, and and hard work and diligence, whether wh- whether that's in a previous match or if that's on the training on the training ground. Um, I don't see Joe Linton, um, you know, knocking one of those through who started last week. And they all they had a great performance in the midfield last week, so I can yeah. see Joe Linton on the bench and coming in later in the match um, and trying to make a case for himself for the next game, but. Um, but no, uh, you know, quick answer is no. I don't think I don't I don't see him knock anybody out of the starting starting lineup. I'll I'll push back a little bit and say uh, if I have noticed a couple of times where that like there was one match where uh, you know Target was healthy and we put Dan Byrne out at that's left right. back and yeah. and uh, how was like that's because this team's more physical. We want more well, of tactical reasons, right? So yeah, th- this could be a case. Where if you know if he deems the midfield would benefit from someone a little bit more athletic and, and stronger in the midfield, uh-huh. maybe uh, we could see Jolinton come back into the fold over Sean Longstaff. Uh, but it would I don't think it would be because uh, he's you know deservingly needs to start over them. I mean, so far he's been fine this season, but it's not like he's been he's not you know one I would say you could slot right back into the team. Uh, just because, again, you know, everyone else in the midfield is also playing really well right now. So that'd be my answer to that. And then uh, the last question uh, is from a Mitro Goat. Do you wish you still had Mitrovic? Um, Joshua, do you still, do you wish we still had Alexander Mitrovic? 
Yeah, it's it's interesting trying to answer this question, you know, like two nights after I've answered this question. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so the 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 answer the rapid fire like, you know, answer is no. Um look, I really respect Mitro. I think he's great and I liked him at the time that he was on on the side, but he was problematic. And a lot of those problems have been resolved with age and maturity. Um, you know, and it was it was never performance for me with Mitro. It was always about his the the possibility of him getting a double yellow or a red and just being too wild and being like like um too fiery i don't i don't wish that we had him only because of the place that we're in right now i think the strikers that we have in in our side right now um with the potential with isak and um the brilliance of of wilson um you know, I'm just really pleased with who we have. Could we use, could we use some, someone maybe more immediate to back up Wilson? Yeah, maybe, but like at, at what sacrifice, if we had brought in Mitrovic or still had him, we wouldn't have been making the move to get Isak. So long, uh, long story short, um, I love him, but no. Yeah, that's, it's an interesting one because like, you know, uh, when he was at Newcastle and playing uh, in, uh, in the prem, you know, the goal scoring tallies weren't all the way there. I mean, uh, you know, it was like nine goals or something like that for Newcastle. Uh, and which it's just one of those, you brought up like the talent was never the issue. It's like, it's, it's kind of wild because like we, we kind of were complaining that he wasn't doing enough on the field and blah, 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 and et cetera, et cetera. And then when you, when you look, look back at who Newcastle have had since it's like Cal Wilson's probably been the only guy who's, consistent i mean i was a perez i think got to double digits one season but it really like that's just been, since mitro's left that's been such a major hole until wilson came yeah. uh for newcastle and it's, it's fascinating because you really don't know how good you've got until it's gone so i think like yeah up until honestly up until this summer if you had told me you know it was, if you'd offered me mitro i would say yes just because uh like looking back on it we there just hasn't been a player newcastle has signed that has been able to fill his shoes outside of Colin wilson but, you know, now with Isak in the fold uh, and Wilson playing half a season, I think 1.5 strikers plus Chris Wood is, is still good enough, uh, especially when one of the strikers is so young uh, and has so much potential. Uh, I don't think Mitrovic being at Newcastle would necessarily help uh, Isak's growth as, you know, he needs more and more playing time. And so as Wilson sort of starts to decline in his career and Chris Wood is clearly already declined in his career. Um, that's, that's mean. I won't say that. Well, I'll edit that out. Actually, I don't know how to do that. So I won't edit that out. Um, but as Chris, Chris Wood's just existing, uh, I think this is a good time for Isak to continue to develop. And I think Matrix would, would kind of hinder that, which is, he's insane right now. He's eight, 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 eight matches, six goals. Uh, you know, if Holland didn't exist, we would be talking about that crazy pace. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's it for this mini episode of uh, CHN Radio. I guess CHN Radio 183.5. Um, I'm Elijah News, and that's with Josh Reduter. Josh, you got anything else to add for the people? Uh, not this time, my friend. Not this time. I'm, I'm looking forward to speaking with you next week after a Newcastle win. Sweet. The way the lads in the